0: Welcome to a special edition of the Programmatic Digest podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, your programmatic coach. So in today's episode, I pulled some content created for the, from the reach and frequency course. This is a whiteboard session, what I call the whiteboard session on the cookie less future. It is available right now in module five, where we talk about targeting mix. So really quickly about um, the reach and frequency. It is literally a course that takes you from zero to getting hired as the programmatic media buyer, account manager, account, uh, specialist, you name it. I really take you, uh, give you all the fundamentals, knowledge, fundamental knowledge to understand what programmatic advertising is, the ecosystem. So what's the DSP? Who's involved? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, to differences in ad placement, to understanding differences in the media auction. So private versus open auction, for guaranteed versus not guaranteed. And lastly, in module five. I cover targeting mix where I define what behavioral targeting is, what contextual targeting is, but also like it's not just a definition. I also go over like best practices, when to use it, how it actually works to give you that knowledge. So whether you're working in the industry or not, this module is for you because it will give you either a different perspective or teach you something new. So, this particular episode is going to be on the Cookie Less Future. It's the whiteboard session that I had to create. It's like a bonus session that complements the lessons of the course, but are actually very important information. And in this session, I cover what we what we mean by Cookie Less Future. I also cover um where it all started. And I go over a handful of solutions. So by the end of this podcast, or if you're watching on YouTube, by the end of this video, you'll understand like, oh, this is where it started. Okay, This is how things were going. And also at this time in 2022, summer 22, these are some These solutions, though, some solutions to this cookie less future or to a cookie less future. So, I hope you enjoy. Here's to a whiteboard session from the Reaching Frequency. And if you're interested in the Reaching Frequency, you can uh, go, uh, you can log into. You can go to the re, um, the reachandfrequency.live, excuse me, reachandfrequency.live and the link will be in the show notes or just reach out to me and ask me um what, how to get access to it. You already know how to find me. Enjoy. Welcome to another whiteboard bonus session. As a gentle reminder, the whiteboard bonus sessions are basically a, a concept that was mentioned in a lesson that needs a little bit more attention separately. In this particular one, we're talking about the cookie less future. So the whiteboard sessions are going to be more uh, updated more often and will be created as new technology advancing advancement come out or new updates that influences the industry come out. Each of the lessons, though, in the modules, the regular lessons, Will also be updated at least once a year. Why? Because we live in a very advancing, um, industry. We work in a very advancing industry and it's really important that all this information, although true and timeless is as relevant as possible with like latest up, latest update. So in this particular session, we'll talk about, um, the cookie less future and what it means for the industry. So let's get into it. We're going to demystify what the industry refers to as cookie-less future of the programmatic industry. It's important to understand that things are always updating and changing. However, we're going to focus on defining the principles that will help you understand whenever there's another major update, okay? Because we know, or you will get to discover that <laughs> um, when, with big, big technology like Apple and Google, things are always always updated and it can have a big influence in your day-to-day, especially in the industry. So let's start with why. Why are we even having this conversation? So we know that it all started with a couple years ago, give or take 2019 or 2020, Google announced that they will deprecate access, to third-party cookies, access in Chrome. That means that publishers and advertisers will no longer use cookies, third-party cookies, as a mean to targeting or as a mean to um, being capable having the ability to target. So let's start with why. The short answer is data privacy. Data privacy, that's how it all started. Now, Sarah Poli said, data privacy has become a growing concern for consumers. Users are asking for more control over how their data is collected and used. In response, big brands like Safari, Google, Chrome, and Facebook have opted to phase out third-party cookies to meet both regulatory restrictions and rising user expectation of privacy. So what does that really mean? So I pulled this information from CookieBot, but the image is actually from the Ad Exchanger, which is a magazine that I challenge you in one of your homework to uh, look over some of the articles and to follow. So if you have not gone into adexchanger.com and read any of their article yet, you should. Google's plan to phase out third-party cookies in Chrome is part of a larger strategy of creating a privacy sandbox, with open standards for tracking users while protecting their privacy through new browsers API like Trust Tokens. But it's facing heavy challenges in the form of antitrust, antitrust, investigation from the EU Commission and the UK's Competition and Markets Authority CMA. So yes, so you're probably thinking like, okay, so... Cookies are going away. Um, Google decided that any advertisers, brands, publisher will no longer have the ability to really track certain information uh, based on cookies, right? Cookie tracking. And the main reason why this all started of this announcement, why they even thought about this decision, why did they even make the decision if we were heavily dependent on cookies to target before? It's because of everything that's happening, not only in the US, but also in the EU, um, so how does this impact the industry? Okay. So you, you already understand the importance of first, second, and third party data and how the reason why we are using third party data is because of that third party cookie. Okay. And as a, as a refresher, that third party cookie is simply that little tracker that is in every single page on the internet that allows us to track whether it's publisher or advertiser, but attract your behavior. So again, go back to the previous lessons in behavioral targeting, all of those touch points that we talked about, the user touch points, that's what the cookie allows us to track. So how is cookie going away that those touch points, having, having access to tracking those touch points going away impact the industry? Well, let's start here. Chrome is the most common browser with over 62% of the market share globally. Honestly? And between you and I, I thought it was going to be in the highest 80%, okay? Uh, but my students say 63%. It does not surprise me that it's over half of the market using Chrome. So the biggest thing about how it's going to affect is targeting and measurement. So let's talk about targeting, right? So third-party cookies enabled advertisers and brands to target their ideal consumer more relevantly, allowing to serve messages applicable to their needs, and online behavior, especially in respect of their environment. So that's why um, third-party cookies were so important for our targeting, for programmatic targeting. Without third-party data, this type of behavioral targeting is almost impossible. So the, everything you learned in lesson two of this module is, almost goes away, okay? Um, but hold up. It's not a waste of time. If you haven't gone through that lesson, you better go to stop right now and go back to that lesson because it's really important. Um, and then before the end of this whiteboard session, we'll talk about solution and how the replacement of it. So the second thing I wanted to talk about is measurement and attribution. So third party cookies enables advertisers to measure ad campaign performance and accurately attribute the conversions to specific ads or place or and or time. This is this is this was an important piece of an ad campaign optimization, y'all. Being able to track all of those touch points gave us the full picture of our consumer journey. So now that we don't know how many times this person has gone back to the website, purchased this or not really affect us. It affects measurement and affects attribution of this measurement of the performance of the ad campaign. And the biggest, I mean, you've heard me say it, it's almost like a drinking game at this point, right? drinking keyword game. The biggest thing about programmatic advertising is that technology allows us not only to target, so targeting capabilities, but to measure every targeting capabilities, touchpoint, everything, and then attribute credit to this for uh, from um from an ad perspective, right? We are able to attribute what channel, what touch point actually led to this conversion. So that's that's a big deal, but hold up, hold up. Now you understand what's happening. You understand the source of maybe how it started. It actually did not start with Google. Although Google has been in the picture, at least as of, Mid-year 2022, Google has been in the picture a lot, but it did not start with Google. So here's a timeline from Sarah Polley's article, actually. And it just gives us a little bit of when and what started. So back in 2017, Apple Safari implemented something they called Intelligent Tracking Prevention ITP, You basically just giving their their people, Apple users, the ability to um, know when they're being tracked or not tracked or not, or when their data is being used by uh, advertisers. But fast forward 2018 to 2019, same thing happened with Firefox. They called theirs enhanced tracking protection. Y'all see how (laughs) you remember at the beginning of this whole whole course, I told y'all, if there's one thing we love in this industry is that like acronyms, new buzzwords. So Apple calls it ITP, Firefox calls it ETP. We now know that Apple calls it, well, Apple Safari rather, and Apple uh, Mobile calls it IDFA, Chrome calls it what there's always something, but it's pretty much represents somewhat. They're trying to all say the same thing. Okay. So in 2021, Apple IDFA requires users now uh, to give their permission to collect, to allow brands and advertisers like you and I to collect their data. And now Google Chrome announcing deprecation was, um, it actually came out in 2021, but um, 20 the reason why 2022 and 2023 are in here is because that's when they're actually officially going to do it. So they announced uh, that they were going to do it back in 2020, uh, but they give the the industry two years and now three years to get to that, and so starting next summer, so summer 2023, I believe, if anything doesn't change before that, they are saying that they're going to start uh, deprecating deprecating some cookies progressively. Okay, so they're doing it. They're starting next next summer. So let's really understand what each of them. So I'm going to focus on Firefox. I'm going to focus on Apple, since we kind of know what's going on with Google. And again, it is this is recorded uh, June 2022. Um, And some of this information has been researched from May 2022 and updated in June 2022. I literally have made sure to update these as much as possible to the last minute before recording, literally fresh off the the press before recording because there are so many moving pieces. But with that being said, if you're watching this in in December 2022, yes, it would be safe to go and uh, research the latest, but it's still the same concept. So the enhanced tracking protection in Firefox automatically protects your privacy while you browse. It blocks trackers that follow you around online to connect information, to collect, excuse me, information about your browsing habits and interests without breaking site functionality. ETP 2.0 stops known trackers from having access to your information, even those with which you may have inadvertently visited. ITP 2.0 clears cookies and site data from tracking sites every 24 hours. So you can see how it can impact targeting using a browser like Firefox can impact your targeting and your measurement because after 24 hours, you lose some of this data and it's, going back to um, square one. So go ahead and scan that QR code and go back to reading the whole article afterwards. And do, I encourage you, continue doing your own research and reading on it. If you're not clear about the definition here, just take a breather, first of all. Okay, move your body a little bit, go eat and rest a little bit because it's a lot of information. And then continue your research and continue trying to understand. These companies, the biggest thing about this lesson is that these companies are trying their best to respond to what data privacy, consumer data privacy. So this type of technologies that are, they're coming out with are the best way to do that in this moment, in this hour that you're listening to this. And the biggest thing is giving the consumer control over that data by understanding what other vendors, advertisers, whichever, are doing with this data. So IDFA is the most recent from Apple. So that's the only one that will be covered in this session. But again, you're more than welcome to go ahead and cover the other ones. This one has had a big impact in the industry in the last two years um, since the very first uh, iOS update. So the identifier for advertiser, IDFA, is a random device ad- identifier assigned by Apple to a user's device. Advertisers use this to track data so they can deliver customized advertising. The idFA is used for tracking and, and identifying a user without revealing personal information. So if you have an Apple phone, you more likely have already seen this like uh, uh like the example is saying, this is how you want to look at it and understand how your uh, each application you're using on your mobile phone is using your data or what type of privacy level you have and if not, it allows you to it allows this pop up that says like the example on your screen. Pal about, would like permission to track you across the website, blah, blah, blah. Allow tracking, ask app not to track. Um, so again, from a consumer perspective, we know that consumer like personalized ad. But when this came out, um, what was it? I think it was app flyers that said, and this data may have been updated, but it was like only 35%. Of people opted in. Um, so somebody like a Facebook that really relies on IDFA to to maximize their uh, targeting capabilities, it, it affected their business, right? And you can go Google it as well. Um, Facebook numbers dropped, I think in 2021 and 2022, when IDFA first came out, I mean, IDFA came out on every other update. But long story short, this is simply just to let the consumer understand how their data is being used and who is using their data and how much of their data is being used, okay? Um, So that's really, really important. And in another whiteboard session later on, we'll talk about things like GDPR or uh, California's uh, Privacy Protection um, Plan or ACT, sorry, ACT. Um, But yeah, so this definition is based on uh, a website called Adjust and I thought it was very, very, very um, easy to understand. Okay, so let's get moving. Oops, okay. So what are the solutions? So this is the part that is the yay part. But again, and I'm sorry if this sounds really repetitive, y'all. I swear I'm sorry, but this is, it is what it is, right? I have to say this. Things are moving a lot. Things are moving very fast. Some of the solution may be updated by the next time you 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 um, watch the, this lesson. But this is why it's a bonus session because I break down and demystify some of those concepts to give you that background information so that when you are in front of the next interviewer or hiring manager, you're able to have a certain level of conversation. And I guarantee you, if you understand some of this concept, it is going to give you. You can use this as a leverage in your interview conversation. You can ask questions such as, "Hey, I understand that cookie deprecation is a big deal. What are some of the partners you're using right now in terms of ID to to understand your the full picture of your the how you're measuring, or what are some of the ID solution partners you've considered testing or currently testing, asking those type of questions are really important. And if they ask you a question back about this, and you don't know, you, you can answer very easily by saying, well, I understand that there is a lot moving and some of the solution includes boom, 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 which is in this deck. Okay, so Focus on understanding what is out there, what type of solutions are out there so that you can leverage this type of information in the interview. And I I swear the interviewer or the managing partner, I mean, managing partner, the managing, the hiring partner, sorry, the hiring manager, golly, is going to really be impressed by your knowledge. So let's get into it. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, Um, part, it wouldn't be fair not to mention what Google is doing uh, since they announced um, this cookie deprecation, okay? Um, The privacy sandbox is something I'm not really identifying in some of those slides, uh, but the privacy sandbox is, Google's privacy sandbox is basically a group or network of other individuals in Google and within the industry um, that are really working hard basically in layman's word they're working hard to come up with replacement but also to identify other privacy uh, regulation concerns and implement other solutions for those so how do they do that well their focus so the mission of the privacy google's privacy sandbox are as follows those four points they're focusing on how to deliver ads to large groups of people without collecting identifying data from users browsers, how to enable conversion measurement for advertisers without individual user tracking across the web, excuse me, how to detect and prevent fraud on ads, Uh, example like bots clicking on ads instead of real user, how to let website collect user data from browsers APIs that maintain the anonymity of individual users so it's again it's very uh it's very it's related it's very related to um privacy and users privacy but particularly let's talk about trusted trust token api and flock one of google's initiatives is to replace third-party cookies in chrome with so-called trust tokens google's trust token api would replace third-party cookies in chrome with non-personalized cryptographically signed tokens to authenticate a user. This is basically a fancy word for saying that definitely just keep a way to anonymize, anonymize the user. That's it. Um, the trust token API would allow websites and advertisers to only know about users to a certain level and block and block attempts to know users on an individual level. So unlike Google's third-party cookies today, However, Google's proposal for trust token still means that users will have to give out personal data in combination with other APIs in the privacy sandbox, such as Google's federated learning of cohorts or Flock. Yes, yes, they came up with this board, I swear, uh, which places users in aggregated ad targets groups, so-called um, so-called flocks, requiring the processing of personal data. So. Google's solution is basically from what you learned in the last maybe 19 minutes, Google's solution was, I, right, I'm a takeaway cookies, which the programmatic industry and social industry, honestly, and even search were heavily dependent on. And now they're coming back to us saying, but at least you'll still be able to target these people based on cohorts on flocks and, and they called it flocks, but very recently, um, Google said that they were not going with the Flock solution. So the reason why I'm still mentioning here is to give you that background. Um, At this point, honestly, I'm kind of unclear where Google stands. And I can guarantee that most of us in the industry are feeling the same as me. However, just know this about the slide, okay? That they are working on something for us. We're not confident from an industry perspective, and this might come across as an opinion here, a a very professional commentary opinion, but we're not confident in what they they are going to come up with, and and it's not going to replace cookies from a one-on-one perspective. So it will give us an additional solution, additional way of targeting, but it won't replace it. It's very important to understand. Now let's go to the next one that is a very popular one universal id solution uh univer unified id 2.0 is a collective industry effort to create identifiers for users on the internet while maintaining user privacy. It will act as a new, improved version of cookie as an identifier. A user will log in into a website with their email address and an identifier is created based on an anonymized version of that email address. So they're anonymizing the email address. This identifier will regularly generate itself to ensure security. Unified ID 2.0 is compared to cookies developed so the internet user can set their preference to how data is shared, putting the consumer in the driver's seat. So the consumer has the ability of saying, yes, track, here's how much of it you can track and whatnot. If the user logs in through a supply partner that operates in Unified ID 2.0, they get the added benefit of being automatically logged into any site site. That's part of that supply network. So this is really, this is one of the very exciting solution, one of them, to the replacement of third-party cookie targeting, because we are going to utilize deterministic data, hence why in the previous white session, we explained deterministic versus probabilistic data, the differences. So go back to the previous one if you're not. But this is why it is an exciting, um, an exciting opportunity here. It's because um, most, it, most, pe- most vendors and partners leading in this industry have signed up to in support of Unified uh, 2.0 or UID 2.0. Okay, it's just UID 2.0. So it is giving us buyers and traders and anybody else the ability to really have this universal language that we can. And yes, we will be able to measure, we'll be able to attribute, and it is considered something as close as possible to third-party cookies um, replacement. But now, let me just say something. Um, Because this is kind of dependent on deterministic data, right? Logins data based on emails, There is chances that not chances, I'm sorry, but they are not going to be able to give as much volume as cookies were giving us. Okay, so the data was there was big data. The word was big data um, when third party cookie or third party data was utilized. But with UID data, okay, UID audiences will have less of it. So it's not going to be as much. The volume is definitely not going to be there because not 100% of users are going to, you know, log in. And also some vendors are still working to give that access out or give that permission out um, to some of those vendors. So in the image, you can see that the boat has the word, the trade desk. They're the one who initiated this initiation (laughs) Uh, initiative sorry and then the Washington Post is a big publisher uh, jumped into it and then all of those flags are other big uh, either vendors uh, or partners some of them are SSPs like Magnite Pomatic others are Open Exchange like OpenX, LiveRamp you already know it's a DMP, Nelson you name it so a lot there are a lot of partners in our industry, I think it's like 80 of them at this point, that are on board with Unified ID 2.0. And so this is great. So again, the volume will not be there, may not be there, but it is close of a solution at this time. Now, ID and device graph is slightly different Kind of similar concept, we're trying to be able to use the data that we have, um, and this time is very location-based. So the main goal of these solutions is to piece together ideas, ideas from online and offline channels to create a centralized view of consumers, centralized view of consumers, so that we can attribute this holistic picture rather than just to use uh, of these ideas for online media buying. So an idea and device graph is not only advertising based, it's uh, overall marketing wise, how are you viewing this consumer? So the most heard of and known is include LiveRamp, TapAd, InfoSum, Newstart, ZeoTap, and more. So those are just examples that you want to remember or Again, since it's mentioned here, you can go on their website and sign up to their newsletter or to their blog and just start reading maybe early on blog where they introduce this concept of ID and device graphs so that you can have more information on it. Because I do think it's important to understand. You don't have to understand it all right now as long as you understand this concept of the differences in solution. So by collecting multiple ideas from different channel, ID graphs can create a single customer view a CV, which consists of an individual's behavior and data points across multiple devices and channels. So all of those data points are being able to, to be collected. So here's an example of P-Week's Pro CDP. If you have not viewed or at least watched lesson, what was it, lesson six of module two, I know I keep referring back to this lesson, but it's because we are, we start explaining Um, And introducing the concept of data management platform. And in this lesson, I specifically go over the differences between DMP versus a CRM versus a CDP. And we see, we understand that a CDP brings CRM and DMP together. And so what you see on your slide right now, it's an example of what type of data everything comes together. So you have the user ID, you have the analytics visual, the device ID, but you can see that everything is anonymized at this point. Right. So we don't we are not going to target j dot at mail.com. We're going to utilize those anonymized um, anonymized data points. So it's very important. And again, this is the type of information you can carry in a conversation in a, within your interviewer. Right. So you can tell them, like, oh, well, I understand the importance of CDP. Not all brands or agencies or partners are using CDP at the moment because it, it is an investment, okay? Any any technology you invest from an advertiser perspective or agency perspective is going to be an, an investment, but it's important to understand that that's a solution you could invest in and then the long-term and in, in not only long-term but short-term solution to, to what cookie deprecation is going to make us miss. So that's one of the important Uh, thing about ID graphs. So lastly, we're going to talk about data clean rooms and then we'll end this, okay? So a data clean room is a secure environment that allows multiple companies or division of a single company to bring data together for joint analysis under defined guidelines and restrictions. These guidelines and regulation keep data usage aligned with privacy laws, such as general data protection regulation, which is a GDPR in the EU, The California Consumer Privacy Act, CCPA, in the data clean room, personally identifiable information, PII, is anonymized, processed, and stored in the compliant way. So you can kind of see that they're all coming together in some way. Data clean rooms is actually one of the... One of the data clean rooms is one of those solutions that is known for a one by one replacement of the cookies. Why? Because the most popular use case of data clean rooms is to link anonymized marketing and advertising data from multiple parties for attribution. Data clean rooms don't allow data points that could be tied back to specific user to leave the environment, giving organization the ability to adhere digger to privacy law. So it's really bringing everything back together. OK, so now let's understand how does a data cleaner room um, work and why the industry is really excited about this. But again, when we look at something like data clean rooms, it is an investment. It's not for you know, your typical smaller to medium sized brands, um, there is a heavy investment involved with data clean room, at least at this time um, that we're talking about. So, data clean rooms control what data comes in, how the data in the clean room can be joined to other data in the clean room, what types of analytics, analytics each party can perform on the data, and what data, if any, can be. Any PII data loaded into the clean room is secured and encrypted. The data owner has full control over the clean room, while approved partners can get a feed with anonymized data. So it's basically a centralized place. It's this big. It's this big place that this one place where you can tie in. You can connect. In other words, for it would be you can plug into it and have. Every single marketing technology feed into one, okay? So just like the picture, have this one centralized and have all of your the, the other technologies plug into it. And once it is in the centralized place, okay, in this big place, I'm going to call it a big clean room. In this room, you can basically segment um, and manipulate this data, not manipulate, but uh pivot or segment this data and anonymize in respect of the laws like privacy laws and then the beauty of it all is like not only are you now tracking and converting all into one so everything again from your email list to your marketing to your advertising anything you're doing to your organic efforts can all come into one it all joins it into one is it encrypts it Rather anonymize it, which is the word we've been using, making sure that it's a, a random information that nobody can tie back to yourself, protecting the user, and then you're able to use this data to target. So that is why, you know, it is said in the industry. That's what Twitter says. That's what AdTech Twitter says. <laughs> uh, AdTech Twitter says that data clean rooms are the one by one replacement to cookie, um, to the cookie deprecation. But again, it it is an investment, right? Um, It's an investment. Big, big brands are using it at the moment. It's probably not going to be accessible for a little bit, Um, but that's how we start. That's how anything in our industry starts. Big brands start testing it, (laughs) and then it goes open up to the market. And eventually, um, the rest of the industry gets to test some of this. So data clean rooms are actually really, really cool. Um, strongly recommend that you continue looking into it there is a lot involved with clean rooms um, and then there's a lot involved with some of those technology and again anything related to technology will update it will update so understand that this is where the industry is when we talk about cookie less future these this is why okay the reason why is because of data privacy Google did not start it when it goes way back actually to 2008 and stuff. But in the, in the screenshot that I shared, it started in 2017 or 15. That there are solutions out there. Google themselves have initi- an initiative called the Google Privacy Sandbox. And then the rest of the industry are all partnering, at least a handful of leaders are partnering to come up with a universal language called UID 2.0. And again, I'm just repeating this. It's not on your your side. I'm just repeating it out loud. loud. Um, The second solution that the industry is coming up with is ID ID and mobile graphs. And then lastly, data clean rooms. So these are all information. You might want to just remember them. It's going to make you look really good if you're able to have some level of conversation in front of an interviewer. But again, if you don't, that's cool. That's what we're here to learn. Don't expect to understand all of this at once. You might go over, over and over with this lesson and that is absolutely okay. All right? All right, we'll see you in the next lesson.